If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open up to the book of Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. We're we're in a uh, two-week vision series here at ABC, and we're calling it Equipped to Multiply. Equipped to Multiply. You uh, if you've been a part of our, our church body for the, at least since the merge, uh, you're, you should be pretty aware of at least a consistent rhythm or a flow that you see here at Alberta Baptist Church. We, we teach through books of the Bible. And so we've been in the book of Genesis since uh, last April. And, and for those of you who are like, man, are we really going to continue in the book of Genesis? I want to answer, yes, we are. We're, we're going to go all the way uh, through the end of that. And we, we love teaching through books of the Bible. But there are a couple of times a year when we want to emphasize our vision, vision as a church. We're, we're a church that has both vision and values. And our vision here at Alberta Baptist Church is we want to help people to know God, find community, and live on mission. Uh, Part of having vision uh, when we know the direction we're going is we are able to set goals. And, you know, I don't know if you set goals at your home or in your life, but I'm typically a person who likes to set goals, whether they're something physical or spiritual, something uh, educational. I want to read a certain amount of books or do a certain amount of things. And, you know, there's just certain goals that we have. Catherine and I were discussing last night. She had a couple of goals that she wants to see us do with our children this year. Goals are good. Goals are good. And we set them so that we might better walk in the vision uh, that, in this case, God has for our lives. And we believe that God desires for us to help people know God, find community, and live on mission. And so we want to set goals, and those goals are just going to help us to better live out that vision. And so uh, you may have seen or you may not have seen, and we'll we'll make these readily available for you. I don't know if we have them now, but we have uh, 2016 vision uh, pamphlets for you. And it's just several areas that that we as a staff are laying before you that we're saying, hey, for this year, we we would like to see us move in these directions uh, so that we may better accomplish this vision. And so if you don't have a packet of the 2016 vision, we will make those readily available in the weeks to come. And, and you can call the office and even get one emailed to you. But But we wanted to summarize that vision for you or that or that the goals for this year. We wanted to summarize it just in two weeks. And so I'm going to give you that uh, currently and then we'll, we'll move on from there. So if you have a, if you have an outline, I'll invite you to turn there and join in looking at, uh, looking with me at the, the goal there that's, that should be in bold at the top of your page. <clears throat> It says the goal of 2016 is to be better equipped, is for us to help you be better equipped to use your God-given gifts to do the work of ministry here at ABC by leading people to know God, find community, and live on mission. We can't really go much further in walking in the direction that God has for us if we do not see this goal uh, take place here in our church. If, if as a people, we don't take ownership of the mission that God has 
given to us. And so what we desire to see is for us to invest in you in the right ways with the right power, and that's the power of the Lord, so that you may be equipped to use your God-given gifts to do the work of ministry here at ABC. Today, I want us to focus just on one area of this, and it's that phrase, God-given gifts. So hopefully you have turned to Matthew 25. You, you may say, well, why are we going to Matthew 25 if you know what the passage is? But let me give you some, some context. When we say use God-given gifts, we're not only talking about the God-given gifts that you have as an individual, though we are certainly and primarily talking about that today. We also, next week, we'll be looking at the, the responsibility and the opportunity, the gifts that we have as a church body to this community and to this world. To understand the urgency of the message today, we must understand properly the context of the passage that we're going to be looking at, as well as the context in which we live in. Now, Matthew 25 is going to come near the end of this gospel account. There's 28 chapters. And what we see is towards the end of Christ's ministry here on earth, this is before his death, resurrection, and ascension, Before this, he began to discuss with his disciples and other people, but specifically his disciples, he began to discuss with them how they would live in the last days. And when he talks about last days, these are the days in between when Christ would ascend to heaven and when he will return again. And so the question uh, from the disciples was, okay, so first of all, when are you leaving? And when you leave, how long will you be away? You know, are you talking about two days? Are you talking about a week, a month, a year? What are we talking about here? And so the first question would, would have been one like you and I would have asked and is, well, how long are you going to be gone? Because determine on how long you're going to be gone will determine on what all we do, won't it? And so they must have been asking those kind of questions. But the second question that they would have asked would have been, well, what do we do while you're gone? What is the task? At the very beginning of chapter 25, Jesus is going to basically say, hey, no one knows, okay? None of you are gonna know when I'm coming back. No one's gonna be able to tell you the day that I'm coming back. And so it helps our minds to shift and to say, okay, so we don't know the day he's coming back, but while he's gone, while we wait on him, what is it that we do? Chapter 25, verse 14 to 30, he begins to, in a parable, answer that question. And for us, I believe it's vital for what God's called us to do as a church, not only in 2016, but for the rest of our existence. And so if you will, join with me as we read the parable of the talents. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one, he gave five talents to another two and to another one to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. 
Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, Even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of God. Let's pray together. Father, we ask today for your power. We ask for your clarity. We ask for the very presence of your spirit to be with us, not only as I speak, but as we receive your word. God, may we hear you. May we understand your heart and how, God, you desire good for us. You desire joy for us. May we be drawn to the gospel, the good news of God. And as we are drawn to you, Lord, may we be encouraged, empowered, and sent out to a life full of good works for your kingdom. God, I pray that you would empower us today in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to ask you a question. And the question is this, without giving you really any detail about why. What are you doing with the talents that God has given you? Now, if I ask you across the room, what are your talents? You would probably begin to uh, think through. In fact, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I want you to right now take your worship God. Everybody got one? You got one? Flash it at me. Show me that you're paying attention. Yeah, look at that. Okay, I want you to take your worship God. I want you to get a pen and I want you to write down what are some of my talents? What are my talents? I want you to write down. You can just get a couple. You can get three, four. You can get one, whatever you want to write down. I want you to write down what are my talents. And then you're going to ask the question, 
what am I doing with the talents that God has given me? Now, I'm going to guess that about 95% of you are going to wrongly answer that question. But I want you to do it anyway. What are my talents? How am I using them for the Lord? How am I using what God has given me? I want you to see in the passage two points and then we're going to have a load of application. Okay, so if you saw two points and you were like, this is going to be quick today. No, it's not. Same time as always. All right, so here we go. Uh, First point I want you to see is this. You see it in your outline. Like the master in the parable, God gives gifts to all people. God gives gifts to all people. So currently, if you are catching my language there, you will understand that this is not a message that is just for the church. Okay. If it was, it wouldn't be in the context of judgment. In this passage, it's not just good if you use your gifts and bad if you don't. There's eternal significance here. And so the message that we're going to hear today, this is an evangelistic message as well as one that is going to be to the church body to grow our hearts more into the image of Jesus. But you need to hear that these gifts that we're talking about, these talents that we see in this passage, these are something that are given to all people, to all people, not just some. So like the master in the parable, God gives gifts to all people. Now, we must begin our time, I believe, in this text by defining what we mean by gifts and what the passage means by talents, okay? And so, if, uh, if, if you will, look at verse 15. The master, he's going away and he gives talents to his servants. It says that he gives five talents to one, to another two, to another one. And what does it say? It says, to each according to his ability. Now, when we read this, we should ask, well, what does the context teach us that a talent is? And so we might look historically, we might look at other passages of scripture, and we should do all of that. And when we do, we'll find out that in the New Testament times, when we see the word uh, talent, a talent was a measure Okay, and and what that would be, it it typically meant one talent would be 20 years of wages. Okay, so 20 years salary. You get at one time, one talent, 20 years of work. Two talents, obviously 40 and then five, 100 years of salary, of wages, of work given to you. So uh, this is no matter who we're talking about here, the one, two, or five, this is a large sum. Does that make sense? Okay. But what we're told is, is that they're given a talent each according to his ability. So what we need to do now is we need to define for the time that I'm speaking to you and we're beginning to apply from this passage even early on in our study is what we mean when we say gifts, what we mean when we say talents, okay? What we believe from this scripture that talent represents 
is not just your abilities. Though I bet most of you, when I said, hey, what are your talents? You, you would have written down, you know, hey, I'm good at gymnastics. You know, I'm, I'm good at this. I'm good at that. I don't know what all you wrote down. I'm really good at math. Whoever put that, um, Lucas Johnson, no, somebody, uh, somebody put that, you know, I'm really good at this. I'm really, you, you have abilities that probably are what you're thinking about. I'm a good, you know, sports, uh, I'm, I'm good at playing sports. I'm good at doing this. And, and we think of abilities. And the reason why we do that is because of the word talent. In fact, the word in the English language talent, when we say, Hey, I've got some talents and here they are. We're taking that from this Greek word. Okay, but it doesn't necessarily mean what this Greek word stood for. In fact, the way that I would describe that would be there in verse 15. uh, It should be obvious. That's not what this means, because it says he gave talents according to abilities. So it doesn't say he gave abilities according to abilities. He gave talents according to each each one's ability. And so the way that we're going to define gifts today, and this is so important because we said the goal of our time was what? The goal was to help you be better equipped to use your God-given gifts, to use your talents. But the way that we're going to define this is that we're going to define gifts or talents as the responsibilities and opportunities that God brings into our lives while we wait on him to return for us. The responsibilities and the opportunities that God gives to us, what do we do with those while we wait on his return? See, his desire and expectation is while we wait for Christ's return, that we would work for him and we would do it with energy, love, and faithful service to Christ. All people have been given responsibilities and opportunities to use for God's glory and for the good of his people. Okay? So no matter who you are, in this room, the life that you live, it has been given to you by God. Okay, so even if you say, well, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in Christ, I don't believe in the truth of the Bible. I want you to know that the Bible says that everything you have is a gift from God. Even if it's a season of your life that you're not really enjoying right now, it is a gift from God. He has responsibilities and opportunities in this season of your life for you to use while you wait on him to return. To appropriately live in. And so first we need to see as we read this passage that like the master in the parable, God, God gives gifts to all people. The reason this is so important and the reason why the question that we asked earlier, what are you doing with the talents that God has given you. The reason why that question is so important is because look at our second point today. Like the servants in the parable, what we do with our God-given gifts, what we do with our talents is eternally significant. And this can be very difficult for us theologically. And I want you to know it's not difficult at all for Jesus to say. It's not difficult in the same way that that Paul wrote Romans and it's true and James wrote James and it's true. 
It seems difficult for us anytime we start talking about what we do and we connect that to salvation, it really bothers us. And in a lot of ways, maybe it should, but I want you to know that Christ gives no apologies for what he says here. He gives a parable and that parable has power and it has meaning. And the parable says this, it says, God has given you talents. If you bury them in the ground, it's eternally detrimental for you. Is that not what it says? Am I wrong? I don't think so. I don't think so. And so I was reading this passage and when I originally, you know, had it set aside for us to to do today and for us to talk about today, I was kind of like, okay, you know, we'll talk about our gifts and and what we do with them. And and I was just kind of like normal Colby. I was just kind of, you know, bebopping through life, just getting excited about vision sermons and stuff like that until I read the passage and hung out with Matt Richardson long enough that he pointed out some things I needed to see. And that was this. It was that this passage is not just for people to see, oh, you did a good job or hey, you're doing a poor job. It's eternally significant what we do with what God gives us. See, what we do with what we have shows the heart that we have for God. Uh, Maybe it will be, do us well to say it this way. Our faith in Christ is seen not just in the words that come out of our mouth, but in the work that we do with our hands. Faith in Christ, saving faith in Christ is faith that acts according to God's word. And and what we desire to see happen this year is that you would take the responsibilities and the opportunities that God has given to you and you would use them to make much of the glory of God and that you would use them for the good of God's people. That's what we want to see happen because we believe that's what God calls us to do. He wants us to ask, what are we doing with what we have received? What are we doing with who he has made us to be? So that's really the two points. And for me to go into much more detail would just be me talking. And I don't want to just talk. And you don't want me to just talk. What we want to do is now start asking questions and applying this truth today. Everyone's been given gifts and what we do with those gifts is eternally significant for our lives. So if you have a pen, I would encourage you to write down some things right here. The first place that I want us, uh, or the first thing I want us to consider is I want us to consider how we feel about the particular season of life that we are currently in. I want to ask the question, how do I feel about my current responsibilities and opportunities that God has laid before me this day? And here's going to be our primary point if you want to write it down. Whatever we do, what do you think it is? We must remember we work for Christ. Whatever we do, we do it to the glory of Christ. He's our king. He is our master. He is the one that leads us and guides us and calls us out. We work for 
him. And so I want to challenge you with several areas of application. The first is I want to challenge you with the statement in what we do uh, or, or what do you do? The question about what do you do? M- most of you, and especially in a, I think in a college town, you get used to this question, but, but people ask you, hey, uh, what do you do? Oftentimes they ask you that before they ask you what your name is. Have you noticed that? Are you guilty of that? I am. Okay. So like, we don't even really know somebody, but the first thing that we ask them is we say, what do you do? And some people answer graciously and they say like, hey, I do this, I do that, I work here, I work there. Other people are jerks about it. Like, uh, and, and, and I, maybe we should be, maybe all of us should be jerks about it when people say that. Maybe we should say, hey, uh, are you curious about who I am or are you just curious about what I do? Maybe we should do that. But what, what do you do just means, talk to me about the responsibilities and opportunities that you have going on in your life currently. You agree? To that, uh, I believe we, we tend to see what we do and, and uh, have issues with, or there's a couple of areas of concern that we should have or, or think about when dealing with what we do with our lives. And, and they go kind of like this. We tend to take what we do and either make an idol out of it, like what we do is all that you need to know about us, it is the ultimate thing about me, or we take what we do and we become idle with it. Okay, so like two different uses of the word idle, they're spelled differently and everything, but like we, we tend to either make an idol out of it, this is it, this is what I live for, this is what I wanna be known for, this is what I do. And then we have this other side that like we're just idle in it. Just been working, just been at work, just sitting, wasting time, just waiting for vacation days. You know, I'm just working, just doing, and and we we tend to be idle. And it doesn't mean we're actually idle with our hands. It may mean we're idle with our hearts. Do you get it? See, this this is easy to catch in conversations. Many of you have been in family gatherings a lot over the past few weeks, and it's easy to catch this in family gatherings. And no, I'm not saying I caught this in my family gatherings, but I'm just using examples uh, for you. Whenever you're around groups of people, you notice repetitive and habitual answers to things, and you kind of notice one person may talk all day long about what they're doing. The other person is trying to avoid ever discussing it because it bores them with their life. And so we, we see that we take what we do and we're either, you know, too into it and we've made it an idol or we're so disappointed in it that we're just idle and just working through life. And I'm going to speak directly to students for a second. You have the tendency to do this more than anybody. And let me tell you why. Because you are not currently who you know that you want to be in the future. You are studying what you want to be in the future. You're studying and you're getting the information that you believe that you need and the degree that you need to get to the point that you're doing the thing that you want to do. And so maybe right now you're just super disappointed in what you're doing because it's boring to you, because it's school, because you're having to work two part-time jobs and it's not the life that you want to live and therefore you're just kind of idle in it. Some of you may have just gotten that job after school and you're so excited about it and the paycheck was better than you thought it would be and it is everything to you at this point. You've made an idol out of it. See, what we do 
is an interesting question, or what do we do, is an interesting question, I believe, in our context today. And, and here's the reason, the second kind of area of application would be this, is that we tend to have our identity tied to what we are doing and not who we are in Christ. Our identity seems to be tied to what we are doing or maybe what we're not doing more than it is who we are in Christ. And so I'm gonna give you some examples of, of that. And this is gonna to touch really close to home base for a lot of you. <clears throat> when asked, what do you do? Some of you are greatly embarrassed to answer. Some of you are very unhappy to answer. You're, you're sad, maybe even bitter. Because the season of life that you are currently in is one that is not exciting. It's not what you want it to be. For, for someone, this may mean, I, I wanted to be in school. I'm not able to be in school. You know, the, this didn't happen the way I thought it would. The scholarship fell through, whatever happened. And I'm not where I want to be. So I live in a college town. So every time somebody asks me, am I in school or what am I doing? I tell them an answer that I'm pretty sure disappoints them. Okay, that, that's an example. Another example is, is this, and this is the real Christian culture thing. You have a great job and you do a wonderful job at what you do, but you never get recognized. No one ever really notices what you do. And a lot of people, even in your church family, don't know what the job you do is. And therefore, you're a little bit uh, frustrated about it when you come into the context of the church because you feel like the only thing that gets celebrated is pastors and pastoral ministry. And so for you, what you do, you believe is important, but you've decided that it cannot have to do with the kingdom of God because it never gets talked about at church. Therefore, you have now separated what you do from the life that God's called you to. It's just what you do. I do it really well. I really enjoy it, but it's not what I could be doing. I mean, I could be, you know, being a pastor or something. That, that kind of thing. And so in the Christian culture, sometimes we have a, a, an issue where we, we separate things too much and we don't see the work of God in uh, all of it. Uh, what, what do you do? I, I don't know. I'm just at home with the kids. I'm at home with the kids. I, I don't even think they're learning. I don't even think they're getting, uh, they're not probably getting what they need to. I, I, other people are doing better. I saw a show and they were doing a good job on that show. I read a blog and they were, their kids were smiling bigger than my kids smiling our pictures. And it, it's just not, it's not good. What do I do? I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I do. And you're just confused on how to answer. And then there's another, on the flip side, there are people, what do you do? And it's boastful, arrogance, pride. It, it, it's, oh man, I am everything. What do I do at all? The, the world won't function without me. My business can't function without, I, I am everything. I am everything and the world is on my shoulders. And man, if I get sick, oh, it's over. It's over, it'll all be dark. You know, that, that, that kind of thing. It, it's this work is everything or I don't think I'm doing anything, you know? It's because we tend to tie our identity to what we're currently doing and not who we are in Christ. 
I want you to see from this passage today that we see another application point. It's this, is that all, all responsibilities and opportunities, they're God's to give and he gives them unequally. Like what? That's not American? That doesn't seem American. He, unequal, he gives it unequal. Yes. He gave it unequally. Here in this passage, you got one guy that gets 100 years wages. One gets 40, one gets 20. That's, that's not equal. Why do they get different? It says according to their abilities. Did you know that in the church, God doesn't give everybody the same gifts? Can somebody say, amen? Can somebody do that? Yeah. Can you imagine if everybody had the same gift? I always think about it. I try to imagine, what would it be like if everybody had my same gifts? Can you imagine? Like, oh, man. Oh, man. We would go, we would go nowhere. That's what we would, we would just all talk and high five. That's what we would, that's what we would do. I mean, can you, can you imagine? Listen, God does not equally distribute gifts, but he rightly distributes gifts in his body. I love this passage because it, it, it flies in the face of how we think uh, in our culture. See, in this passage, you've got this master. He gives five talents, two talents, one talent. And I love the attitude of the first two. The first two, they didn't get the same thing. I don't know if they knew what the other received, but, but they have different amounts that they get, but they do the same thing with it. They have the same goal. We want to multiply what we've been given for our master. You know, that's what they do. The, the other guy... He does what he thinks is right. And he does what he thinks is safe. And he just buries it in the ground. He says, I'll just hand it back to him at the end. No risk involved. It won't get scratched. It's all good. And yet that's not at all what we find. When the, the five and the two, they, they bring theirs back doubled. One ten, one four. They, they bring it back and they receive the same reward. The Lord, the master says the same thing to him. If, if I was, I, we, we don't, I didn't work hard enough a few minutes ago. I tried to get Jennifer. I tried to, she was trying to help me out and it took me forever to do this. But what I wanted to see happen was for on, on both screens, on, on, on this screen, I don't know if we can do this, but on one screen to have verse 21 and on one screen to have verse 23. And this is the response that Jesus gives to the one who had five talents, he brings back 10. And then in verse 23, the one who had two talents, he brings back four. Uh, verse 21 and 23, different people, he gives the exact same response. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Man, I gave you a little and look at what you did. Now I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Enter into the joy. See, they had different talents that they were given, but they used them for the same purpose and they were commended in the same way. I, I've always enjoyed this illustration. I'll, I'll, try, to, I'll try to do it well. <clears throat> I want you to imagine that, that right now all of us are in one large classroom, okay? And when we're all in a worship center, just imagine we're in a classroom and before us 
is a master artist, okay? And the master artist has an easel set up here and on the easel, he has a painting. And what he says to you is he looks at you and he says, okay, what I want you to do is I want you to imitate what I have done here. I want you to do what I've done here with what you have been given. And so you say, oh, this is exciting art project in church. And so you start, you start getting, uh, you know, getting your stuff ready and you start painting and working and, and doing what you do until a few seconds later and you begin to look around at what other people have and what they're doing. And what you'll notice is that you all have different tools that you've been given. And so it takes, uh, well, first of all, all of you are thinking this, but only one of you was verbal enough to open up your mouth. And I don't know who you are, Mr. Verbal Person, but, but you open up your mouth and you say, hey, hey, I, how am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to, to paint this? I have a number two pencil. Somebody else says, well, Seriously, I mean, what, what am I supposed to do? You gave me watercolors. Another person, I, I, have, I have wide ruled paper and he has a canvas. How are we supposed to imitate what you've done? And so the more that we look around the room and we notice everybody has different tools. Somebody has entire, you know, just like painting kits and other people have, you know, a little Sharpie. And, and the more that we look around, we get frustrated. And the master artist, he just with grace looks at us and says, hey, 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 don't worry so much about what it is that you have or what the person next to you has. What I've asked you to do is imitate what I have set before you, imitate what I've done with what I have given to you. I have given you exactly what you need to do the task that I've called you to do. Now, I believe this is easy to apply. It's easy to catch. We, we get it. But yet, you know what it feels like to think, you know, well, it must be easy to serve if I am extroverted. It must be easy to serve if I was put in this position. Or you might say, well, why, why does that person get on every single team that matters? Why is everything that we do that seems cool as a church, why does that person get to be involved in it? Why does that person get to sing? Why does that person get to talk? Why does this person get to do this? Why is this person in charge of this ministry or that ministry? And we start comparing ourselves and looking around and we completely forget the church ain't about us. We forget that God has called all of us to the same task. He has the same vision for us all and he has equipped us all differently to play a particular role in his body to do that job, to bring him glory and to bring his people good, to build up the very kingdom of God. 
Next week, we're going to look a lot more at what I mean by uh, even the term spiritual gifts. We'll talk about that a little bit next week, and we'll, we'll look a little bit more at what it means for us to be a church body, to have Christ as the head, and, and for us to be his body doing a work. We'll talk about specific things that the church body is to be doing. We'll talk about that next week. But for the, the last couple minutes, I, I just want to ask a question. And then, and then Jennifer, I'm going to ask if, uh, if you will come. The, the last couple minutes, I, I want you just to be uh, asking yourself some questions. Two statements leading up to them. First statement is this. Understand from this passage, with all that we've talked about, understand that it's possible to, to believe that we're being faithful. It's possible to believe that we're being faithful with our talents when in reality we're wicked and lazy. It's possible to believe that we're being faithful when in reality there's no fruit. And I want you to understand there's a difference between faithfulness and fruitfulness. But biblical faithfulness always leads to fruit. So you can be faithful in doing the wrong things in the wrong way for the wrong reasons. But faithfulness to the word of God will lead to fruit always. This guy believed he was doing the right thing because he, he buried in the ground. He said, this is safe. This is safe. But yet what the Lord says is basically, or the master, he says, you should have risked what I gave you. You should have used it boldly. You should have multiplied. You should have done whatever you were called to do, whatever you had to do to multiply it, but you didn't. In fact, he actually says, and we're not comparing necessarily Jesus directly to this master, uh, you know, here and everything that he does. Uh, but, but I mean, he really says, hey, if you thought I was coming back, if you thought I was coming back to get that, and you, and you believe that I was unjust and I was this and I was that. Man, you should have at least gave it to the bank and let some interest get there. I'd have taken that. <laughs> I mean, it seems kind of funny when you read it, but, but what, what the passage is saying is, is this, is I wasn't asking you to do the exact same thing that somebody else did. I was telling you to be faithful with what I gave you and you weren't. You weren't, but you thought you were. See, he did what was safe. He did what made sense, but what makes sense to us? And in our culture, it isn't always what makes sense to God. Use your life, not for you. Not for you, use it for his glory. Spend it up for him. It's the very opposite of what you're told. Use your life for the good of others and for the glory of God. Last part, know that how we view God has a direct impact on what we do with the life that he has set before us. I, I believe that it's possible that that the guy that received one knew that somebody got five and knew that somebody got two. I believe it's possible that he was jealous, that he was frustrated, that he was angry, that he didn't understand why God would not give him what he gave to other people. He didn't trust God. He thought he was a hard person. He thought he was a hard guy. He didn't trust him. And I want you to know, some of you have things that have gone on in your life and circumstances over the past couple of years and even recent months that maybe you believe that God's hard and he doesn't love you and care for you. And that, that's not true. I want you to know that God loves you and God blesses you and God's given you everything that you have, but God desires for you to enter into his joy. And he desires for you to use everything that you have for his glory. So Jennifer, as you come, Will you prayerfully consider this question? 
What am I doing with the God-given gifts that I have received? Do I need to repent? Do I need to turn to him? Have I become bitter towards God or to people that he loves? Am I blaming other people because of my lack of service to the Lord? Am I willing to do whatever it takes to see fruitfulness in my life? Am I willing to give up what I'm holding on to? Am I willing to dig up what I have buried already so that I may now use it and invest it for God's kingdom and for God's glory? Am I willing to, in giving my life to Christ, give my life to serving him through his church?